Are you with us? Chair Riley, we have initiated our um, audio sequence and good afternoon, Chair Riley and EDAC members. It's been held pursuant to government code section 54953E and in light of the declared state of emergency and regular meeting of the Economic Development Advisory Committee for April 4th, 2022 will be conducted telephonically through Zoom and broadcast live on the city's website. Welcome, Chair Randy. Thank you, Serge. Um, thank you all for joining our meeting. Uh, someone, we have everyone please go on mute. There is some background noise, including a helicopter going by me right now. So let me uh, pause on that. But yeah, make sure everyone goes on mute. Um, Serge, just before we get started, can I ask you to please do a roll call so we make sure that we have a quorum. Sure. Um, EDEC member Willane. Here. John Duray. Yeah, it's not like I'm trying to show something. Um, make sure we have Mr. Duray. Yeah, I mean, you can go along and talk to Um, It appears as we are getting feedback from um, one of the mics. So I'm going to mute everyone, and you all should be able yeah, to unmute yourselves when it's your time to speak. Please do that. Um, John DeRay did not respond. Uh, Rachel Stodd. Oh, John is, Ray is here. Pardon me for letting me co-host you. John, I just co-hosted you. I didn't recognize the JD. I'm here. Thank you. Um, Rachel Stodd. Does not appear as we have Rachel on the room. Scott Thornburg. I am here. Chris Gallagher. Here. Malcolm Morgan. Here. Walter Lemmerman. Monica Finnegan. I'm here. Don Daglo. Here. Teresa Ancona. Present. Cass Green. Present. And Chair Riley. President, thank you. That's uh, 10 of our 12 members that are here. And it looks like Rachel is just joining us. So that will be 11 members. Uh, Rachel, can you confirm you're present? And Rachel, you need to be unmuted. Um, go ahead, Rachel. Hi, I'm present. Thank you. Uh, we have uh, two guests with us in the room today. Um, Kevin from CDA, who's normally with us, will be uh, he's joining us. And we have a special presenter today, Ken Nordhoff, who joins us from HDL and will be our first presenter. Uh, before we go to that, I would like to see if we can open up for public comments for items that are not on the agenda. So Serge, do you let me know if there's any hands raised with the public? Sure. Chair Riley, would you like me to explain to the public how to provide public comment? 
It would be helpful, Serge. This is our first time asking. Yes, please. Great. Uh, video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, raise your hand in the Zoom application, and you will be called up on when it's your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press start nine, and each member will be notified when the time has elapsed. Um, Chair Riley, does look like we have one hand raised, and it's Sandra Bushmaker. Sandra, you've been unmuted and asked to share your video. Hi there, Sandra. Thank you for joining us again. Hi. <clears throat> Good afternoon, everybody on EDAC. Yes, I just wanted to comment to the Economic Advisory Committee to the City Council, and uh, I, I want to raise that issue because... I, I want to remind all of you of Brian Mora and Yulia Carter's report from, I believe it was the summer of 2020, uh, where they did a geo study of all of the areas of Sausalito. And it was the Marin ship that was by far the biggest producer of sales tax, of uh, uh, secured and unsecured property taxes, and uh, forgetting the third one, fourth one. But in it, uh, TOT, excuse me, business license tax. And so this is a really important economic machine for the city. And I would really like to see this committee get behind growing the industries there that are generating jobs and are generating income for the city. Uh, so I think we need to grow the industrial uh, maritime and artistic uses down there. Now, the next chapter is a painful one for everybody in the city, and that is the housing element um, advisory committee's uh, activities. As you know, as many of you know, the city is faced with 724 units of housing that need to be approved for this next cycle of the uh, housing element, which is due January 2023, and has to be approved by the state. This is a state mandate, no wiggle room allowed at this stage anyway. Uh, now, at the last uh, HEAC meeting, and this is a, a, an economic issue that I want to bring to your attention, that the uh, five of the nine members of that committee voted to put housing in, in parcels that are immediately adjacent to the Arquez Boatyard and to the Army Corps Crushing Yard. So uh, I think that that is, and, and there are several other parcels that they also identified that surround the boatyards with housing. It's a highly inappropriate use and it's conflict ridden and it's just totally incompatible. There are other areas in the Marin ship that are appropriate for housing. So my plea to you as the economic uh, advisory committee is that, uh, that you support the growth of the industrial uh, maritime and arts use down there, which are the economic machine of the city, the single most concentrated area for uh, the greatest amount of economic benefit to the city. And this, the actions of the housing element committee have threatened that machine, if you will, that, that economic machine. I'm just putting it out there to you and ask for your support and, and, your advice to the city council. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. I think uh, your comments are very timely and relevant. Um, so thank you for that. Serge, any other public comment? Chair Riley, it does not appear as we have any other hands raised. Okay. Um, 
At this time, we move on to item three, which is approval of minutes. Uh, we have had uh, minutes distributed, but they just arrived today and they weren't, uh, they didn't arrive in time to be posted to the website. So I encourage all of you to review these minutes and we'll approve them at our next meeting. So that allows us now to move on to business item number one, which is our HDL sales tax presentation, which is gonna be led by Ken Nordhoff. Um, as a reminder to the EDAC team, we had hoped to see this presentation last month, but the materials weren't ready until um, the middle of March. So um, I had a good conversation with Ken uh, just over a week ago to prepare his presentation. We have 30 minutes allocated for this. And what I asked Ken, one is educate us on the data that's in this report and, and how and where this, these revenues come from and then also share the information that he has prepared for the city. Um, HDL works for the city. Uh, we're here to gather information and it's our goal to kind of get a baseline of revenue so that we can start understanding how our efforts can impact or move the needle on some of these. Uh, Ms. Bushmaker just pointed out, you know, the revenues come from the membership. And if we put investments and efforts to improve those revenues, it'd be nice to have baseline and figures to track. So that's what we hope to accomplish with starting today to learn about these numbers and to begin developing our baseline. So with that, um, Serge, can you help uh, Ken have presentation capabilities? Yes, he's been co-hosted and Ken, you just need to hit the share screen and share your screen. Ken, welcome to the meeting and thank you for your time. And you're also on mute still, Ken. I just took the mute off, so hopefully that's working. Yes, we hear uh, your presentation. Great. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tom, for the introduction. Um, glad to be in front of the committee this afternoon. Um, and I had both conversations with Tom and with your city manager, Chris, to kind of shape the presentation. Uh, there's a lot that I could cover, but I was trying to honor your, the uh, 30 minutes, including questions that I'm sure some of you will have. So. Let me just get right to um, what we're gonna do. Just very briefly about our company. We've been around almost 40 years. We work exclusively with local government. We have a lot of clients in California. Sausalito has been a client of our sales tax services now for a couple of years. And we're really kind of fundamentally in the business of trying to help local governments uh, optimize or maximize their revenues, particularly their local taxes. So I thought it might be helpful to try to get everybody on the same page. I don't know your knowledge of this subject or background, but um, sales tax has been around since the 1930s and it's evolved and become fairly complex. Although I'd like to tell you that it's simple, it's really not. So I'm gonna walk through some of the basics. And again, I'd be happy to answer any questions as we go through all this. So um, just fundamentally, you know, thinking about sales tax, it's important to understand there's just certain things that are taxed and we tend to think of those uh, when we get into a store, et cetera. They, they are defined in the code, the revenue and tax code of the state as tangible personal property. There's some very, very limited exceptions where things around services or labor included. I mean, it's, a, it's very infinitesimal. And the way the tax system is structured in California, it's really the end user or ultimate consumer that pays a tax. We don't have a system where we're value adding taxes from manufacturing all the way through the process. 
There are a number of exemptions in the state code and other exceptions. Um, I could go through a long list. I chose not to do that uh, given the time constraints today. But it would be helpful just to put up um, what the tax rate looks like in Sausalito. So just very fundamentally, um, there are portions of the rate that are common and then there are some rate portions that are unique. So the rate that took effect actually last Friday um, due to the uh, sunsetting of the, as you see here in this little box on the right, uh, the Marin County Parks and Open Space had a quarter cent tax rate that sunset uh, just last week on March 31st. I understand that they may be going back to the voters in June to try to renew that. But as of today in real time, the tax rate is eight and a half percent. The portions that I wanna focus on that relate to the city have to do with, with this 1% rate that it's called the Bradley Burns portion that has to do with the authors of, of changes in the law many decades ago that uh, identified and isolated a 1% portion of the basic tax rate that every city and every county gets in California. And then of course you have your um, measure O revenues that have been voter approved and they have been uh, around since 2014. Uh, I wanted to note here also, there's a couple of other countywide taxes, a half cent rate for TAM and a quarter cent rate for SMART. Uh, those are paid by all um, uh, taxing uh, agencies, uh, tax rates within Marin County. So the, again, those are common to the tax rate. The, the pie chart here just shows you how that rate is distributed, just a different way to visualize that if you're not one that's predisposed to looking at a column of percentages. So let me uh, do a little, try to simplify this as much as I can um, and talk about sales tax versus use tax. There's actually specific language in the sales tax code Sales tax uh, is the terminology that's used when we're talking about taxable goods that are sold and the products are located in California at the time of sale. Uh, and that could be located in a retail store, a fulfillment center, a warehouse, any number of places. Use taxes are really essentially a mirroring of the same law. The differentiator here is the title does not transfer in state or in California the goods are actually held outside of California, somewhere else in the United States and shipped into California. And the reason uh, that that matters is the way that these taxes are distributed are different depending upon the origins of that merchandise. So there's quite a, there's quite a bit of words here, but um, I wanted to highlight in the left column, uh, again, going back to sales tax, we're, we're focusing when we look at where the revenue is allocated, like to Sausalito, we're, we're concerned about the place of sale. Where's the actual physical presence of a building or a sales office? Uh, money comes to the local agency. Uh, there's some exceptions here if there's not a physical presence about looking at where that inventory is located, like I mentioned, uh, and then allocated indirectly uh, would be some of that sales tax if there's a provision in the law where the, the business does not uh, hold a seller's permit. Use taxes uh, end up being shared differently. So even though it's the same portion of that 1% Bradley Burns tax rate, uh, use taxes that flow in from out of state inventory end up in what's called the pool. 
There are 58 pools, one for each county in California. And I just made a note here to give you an example. It's, it's a formulaic distribution. And so Sausalito typically gets around 5% of the money that goes into the pool. So this is not done on a per capita basis or anything else. It's done based upon the sales tax revenues that occurred in Sausalito relative to the totals that occurred across all of the agencies in Marin County. So for 2021, uh, that number turned out to be uh, about 5% of $13 million. That's the total value that went in the pool, 13 million. Sausalito got 5% of that. And then there are uh, some circumstances where these use tax monies can be allocated directly to the city, fairly small in nature. Again. Transaction and, and use tax, another piece of terminology that's in the code, this would apply to what Measure O uh, was authorized to do. So there are specific provisions in the law. Sometimes the jargon that's used uh, at the state level is a district tax or an add-on tax or a transaction and use tax. So if, if you hear me say that or you see something on one of these slides, these are all synonymous terms. There are provisions in the code that allow for a one-eighth of 1% 1 increments to be voted upon. And of course, Measure O uh, was put into place at a half percent. So there's some commonalities and some differences about how transaction taxes work. So typically when you walk into a supermarket or retail store, gas station or restaurant, uh, those taxes are deemed uh, used or consumed because of the place of sale uh, where you've walked in and that's essentially the means in which Measure O is allocated to the city. But there are some differences and I wanna highlight just a couple of them for you that tend to be most common. Autos is one that uh, we often talk to clients about and elected officials, et cetera. And so we get into car buying decisions. And so I used an illustration here where uh, we know that the tax rate in Sausalito is eight and a half percent. We also know the tax rate in San Rafael is 9%. If one of your residents went to buy a car in San Rafael, which would not be an unusual experience, they would pay the basic seven and a quarter percent sales tax rate. One percent of that seven and a quarter percent would go back to the city of San Rafael. That's the place of sale where that dealership is located. There'd be a remaining one and a quarter percent, which would get up to the eight and a half for Sausalito. And so that would be a Sausalito resident paying Measure O the SMART uh, rate and the TAM rate. They are not paying, that resident of your city is not paying the San Rafael transaction and use taxes. So here we're talking a lot more about where a vehicle is registered. Uh, and so this is a tax that your residents pay. This measure O tax uh, is a, a tax that your residents pay on vehicles regardless of where those are acquired. One of the other nuances in the transaction and use tax law is we're more concerned about destination or delivery and not about the point of sale. So products that are shipped in, if somebody is expanding their home and they need trusses shipped into Sausalito, that would be local transaction and use tax measure O revenue. You've got businesses in town that serve uh, a broader community, meaning they ship products out of the city and so in those cases, those particular sales are not subject to measure O taxes because um, 
we're concerned again about where the destination of that product goes. If it's outside of Sausalito, it is not subject to measure O taxation. I know this is gonna look pretty complicated, but I, I tried to put something together. Uh, there's a lot, often when I have these kind of meetings with groups, they wanna get into a lot of specifics and there are confidentiality constraints in the state law that your staff have to abide by as do I and our firm. And there are confidentiality limitations that we characterize in kind of two terms, what's called a gang of four and 80% rule. So what that really means is within uh, these groups that you see listed here, this is uh, an excerpt from one of our reports, uh, you'll see what we list as business types. That's, that's the definition of a group uh, under the state law. And within these groups, if there are four or less uh, businesses holding seller's permits, or one of the businesses within the group, regardless of the numbers, generating 80% or more of the revenue, that particular group is deemed confidential and cannot be disclosed. So I think a practical example in your data is that you have two service stations or gas stations. So we are not able, when we're disclosing data, to segregate that out and talk about that group. That would violate these confidentiality standards. So we have to find uh, some creative ways to share that data, which we've done, and I'll show you that in a minute when we when we look at some of your numbers. But these are the thresholds, and, and they often become more challenging in smaller communities who, who don't have uh, larger um, numbers of people within some of these business types. So let me shift over and talk a little bit about, that was kind of a macro look at how things function on a statewide level. Let me shift and talk a little bit about some recent results for the city. So I'm gonna go back and talk about the, the Bradley Burns 1% rate. This is what you would consider to be the city sales tax revenue. And I thought it might be helpful to just look at, um, because we just got our fourth quarter data here about a month ago, I can give you calendar year comparisons. And these are particularly helpful in light of the pandemic and from a sales tax perspective, the, the worst of that really started about March of 2020 and extended for several months. And so you can see how numbers have moved around here. Uh, what I would characterize as a pre-pandemic or pre-COVID year 2019, your sales tax revenues were $2.6 million. They fell 14% in calendar year 20, and they've had a nice level of recovery here in calendar year 2021, particularly as the economy reopened and people wanted to get out and have experiences and travel and do things. And they couldn't really go internationally and other places. So I think uh, in, some, in some of these groupings, uh, that's been beneficial. So actually your revenues comparing calendar year 21 to 19 are up 21%. Uh, the largest of these groups, so these categories on the left are these industry groups are how we cluster your data. And in order to not, um, not compromise the confidentiality requirements, I put the service stations in here with autos and transportation. So I'd be able to share these kind of numbers. With you. So this gives you a sense when you look at these categories, what this is telling you what you already know, because you're very involved in your community. You have a lot of general retail, you know, specialty shops and these kind of things. You also have a fairly uh, sizable, what we would characterize as a fulfillment center uh, by a company called Serena and Lily. So that's in your general consumer goods group. 
which makes up the largest portion of your revenue in 2021. And then being a tourist destination, uh, you have a high concentration, obviously, of restaurants and hotels. Uh, the pools, this is where the use tax shows up, actually turns out to be uh, a pretty sizable amount of your revenue. One way to think of this is these are businesses that are not located in Sausalito, but these are products, again, being shipped in out of state and divided up under a formula. So this is your 5% of the pool generated um, you know, roughly about 22% of your revenue this last calendar. And then you have some other categories that are, are smaller in nature, but it just gives you kind of a, a bigger perspective on your sales taxes. Can, um, may, can you ask a quick question while you're on that chart, that prior chart? Oh yeah, sure, sure. It just, our, we had a 41% year over year recovery from the pandemic year. How yeah. does that compare to other cities um, throughout Marin and your other clients? Yeah, um, well, if you went right south of where you are into San Francisco, I would tell you that they're, they being, and it's not necessarily a comparable city, but they have, um, they do have a lot of tourism where they're different as they've also had a much depleted workforce. So they had big losses, really big losses, and have had some recovery, but not as much. So they're in a little bit different position. I would say uh, for Sausalito's case, you've actually rebounded very well um, relative to um, what I saw in terms of declines uh, and recovery. And so a lot of it, uh, Tom, has to do with the composition of the tax base. So areas that um, were more tourism centric relied a lot on restaurant hotel revenue or hospitality, or maybe had a lot of auto dealerships or large, uh, large malls. They, they tended to suffer more and had larger declines. A lot of things were closed, people's behavior shifted. And so they fell off more dramatically. They've been recovering more dramatically. I can tell you that inland and more rural parts of the state did not see nearly as dramatic a decline and have seen less as a, of a recovery. Doesn't mean they're negative, it's just they didn't have the, the deeper V effect um, that we saw in, uh, in our data in more of the coastal communities. So hopefully that answers your question. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. I thought it might be helpful to show some trend lines. So again, kind of taking these groups and giving you, um, these are these are the kind of reports that we typically run for the staff. Um, and so this would be a 13 quarter trend report on these same industry groups. Uh, and it's interesting to see when you look at the green line, for example, uh, and again, I would, I would uh, remind you that because you've got this fulfillment center in there, it's a little bit of a different uh, mix of taxpayers, but has had a, a very nice recovery. Uh, you can certainly see the more dramatic effect of COVID and COVID would be this kind of bottoming out quarter here in 2Q20, but you can see how much of your restaurant hotel group uh, recovered. It cooled off a little bit here in the fourth quarter, um, but is still, uh, frankly, just below where it was way back in 4Q18. So uh, it's got you in a good good place. Uh, you were mentioning at the outset of the meeting, talking, uh, one of your citizens was talking about geo areas. So we, we can actually take your citywide data and map it. And so again, we provide this to the city staff on a regular basis. This would be the trend lines at the top of, of six different 
areas, uh, Marin Ship being a, a big part of that, and then your downtown central commerce area, commercial area, is the is the blue line, and so you can see how um, you've got a concentration in those Marin Ship areas of, you know, yacht sales and water watercraft related things that really um, have done well in the pandemic for the city uh, relative to some of the other uh, groupings. And the, the dollars associated with um, the most recent quarter are down here on the left. And then I just made, you know, a couple of comments here, uh, particularly around, you know, visitors and, and people coming into town. Uh, it's noticeable what the effect was in your downtown central commercial area, obviously, um, when restaurants had, you know, dine-in restrictions and a number of other things. That has improved, but certainly had an effect, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. These are the dollars behind those. And you can see the Marin Ship Island and Waterfront are also fairly sizable tax contributors, um, just given what's in those specific boundaries. These are um, reports uh, that we customize uh, for each community that we serve. So these are the mappings, if you will, that the city has given us. I thought I would just run the same data for you under measure O with your half cent rate. Um, and you can kind of see, and this will be a different mix of composition where you'll see things like autos are sometimes a little more significant in revenue as a proportion of what's going on. There are no pool revenues in a transaction tax because we're not concerned about in-state or out-of-state, we're only concerned about what's getting delivered into or registered into uh, Sausalito. And so these are the, the numbers, in this case, just by uh, probably tenths of a percent, restaurant and hotel turned out to be the strongest group um, in the 2021 year of all your revenues. Um, what is not recovered, I should have mentioned this in sales tax and it holds true here in Measure O is you're still, um, you still have a gap. You have not fully rebounded yet in your restaurant hotel count, which is not surprising. That's very common everywhere. Um, and part of that's not just being open, but part of that has been labor shortages and some other things that have compounded that industry trying to recover. Um, and there's just a bit of a different mix here, um, but these are how the revenues have performed over the last three calendar years. Again, 2021 is plus where 2019 was. So Ken, I have a question. Um, this is all sales tax. Do you also keep track of the numbers on the TOT tax? We uh, have separate working groups that deal with different tax revenues. So that's not in my group or division, but we have, um, we have a group that handles property tax. We have a group, another group that kind of handles all the other taxes, business license, TOT, et cetera. So. So that would be those both business license and TOT would be good for EDAC to also have an understanding of. Yeah, and I think Tom and Chris are probably talking about that and, and working towards um, a series of these kind of presentations, but concentrating on other, on some of your other revenues for sure. This is just how the trend lines look here. Uh, again, your restaurants, which are a bigger group, won't look much different in terms of the pain point and the recovery. Uh, you can see the orange line here is autos. And so even through the course of the COVID crisis and with all the inventory challenges and uh, 
missing parts, supply chain issues, car pricing has gone bonkers. And so it's helped, um, it's helped keep that group uh, rising even over the last couple of years. Pretty, pretty sizable and consistent portion of your measure O revenues. So I'm gonna shift now and, and talk a bit about just some, some trends, some outlooks, some other things you might wanna consider. Um, this chart we, we tend to share at the end of the year with our clients. And we just go back and try to look at on a statewide level, what's, what's a trend going on in quote online spending uh, versus what's happening on the ground, what we call brick and mortar. It's a 20 year look back. The green line is showing on a statewide level, you know, what, what taxes have been generated in, in this general consumer goods. So these are everything from Costco's and Target's down to, you know, pet supply stores and bike shops and apparel. That's all grouped in there. You can see the, the previous recession, the 0809, that group dipped, it recovered, and it took a pretty hard beating, but came back pretty quickly here in 2021. What's happening with online sales, uh, well, the early parts of that were just as technology was developing and consumer, consumer behavior was shifting, some laws changed, that, that's what these two boxes at the bottom do. And there was a Supreme Court decision in 2018 that spurred this AB 147 law that um, thrust a lot of new taxpayers into the system that previously were not, they were out of state and not remitting taxes into California. So that was um, Walmart's in that group, a Walmart marketplace account, an Amazon account, there's a bunch of stuff that um, got dumped in there. And so what we see now more recently is a compression of the spread, spread used to be pretty wide, pretty narrow now between what's happening in general consumer goods and online sales. And the percentages here kind of tell that story. Other trends going on it, it, from a U.S. perspective, we've been for a period of time just oversaturated. We have more retail square footage in the U.S. because we're a consumer-driven economy than you find in many other parts of the world. We just have a handful of other countries listed there to give you an example of that. Um, there's a lot of investment. It, it has been going on and it continues to accelerate uh, in the way that we are shopping. I'm sure that you see more packages at your front door and your neighbor's front doors, right? Uh, and that that's all about distribution and fulfillment centers. So there's a massive amount of investment at, and more so probably in the central spine of the state where uh, it's easier to find a workforce, um, dirt is cheaper, there's a lot more of it. And so there's a high concentration of, of that being uh, built uh, and although a lot of it is robotic based, there's still a demand for technical employees to, to make sure that all of that happens appropriately. Uh, I know Tom was particularly interested in wanting to talk about, you know, kind of what we call surplus and leakage. Uh, and this chart on the right is actually taking the Sausalito data for the calendar year of 2021 and running some numbers on a per capita basis comparing that to what it would look like if, if when we measured against our, we have all, we have almost all the sales tax data in California. So we're measuring Sausalito's per capita numbers here against statewide totals. And you have what you already know uh, is a high concentration of restaurants, 
uh, some specialty and apparel stores, you know, just given what you have in your commercial corridor. And then the reds, those would be the green bars here. The red bars would show where you have a gap or maybe places for improvement. Now, I have some other content here just to help, you know, as you're thinking about helping the city with economic development is realizing, you know, discount department stores, for example, are Targets and Walmarts and Costco's. Well, there are, there's going to be limitations, uh, maybe, maybe their public policy, land use, uh, community priorities, demographics, uh, a whole number of things that might prevent that from happening. But it does give you a taste at least where uh, this would give you an illustration of where you don't have as much strength. Uh, and frankly, even in some of these categories, there's not a lot of expansion going on. So I can assure you, nobody, there are, there are no more Macy's and Kohl's uh, and Nordstrom. It's just not much of that expansion happening in a department store world. But there are in cases of apparel and certain categories of restaurants, auto supply stores. So this just gives you kind of a, a quick illustration of, um, of how that works. And Tom, I was going to mention, I have a, a related document that we put out that I can send over after the meeting that shows a number of businesses that are actually expanding in California. It's our retail analytics report. So I'm glad to send that over to you and I, and you can send that out to the committee. We just, we just got that done in the last week. Um, and it will show you uh, where a whole number of um, companies are looking to invest, what kind of square footage they need, what kind of revenue per square foot they generate, those kind of things. So I think yeah, you, know, yeah. you might find that helpful. Super helpful. Yeah. yeah. I can show you a picture of it if you want when I'm, when I'm done with my presentation. Um, so just some final thoughts, uh, and I'm trying to leave time for questions, so hopefully I'm not running long. Um, as we look out, you know, we do forecasting as part of our work. We're not just doing analytics and all this stuff in the city. We, we anticipate that your sales tax revenues, although they've recovered well, are still going to continue to grow, particularly here in the short term. I mentioned, you know, the hospitality sector is a bit constrained. You know, some of these uh, operations, some of these businesses, have had trouble finding people, keeping people, paying them enough. Uh, and so maybe it's compromised their ability to open the way they'd like. But nevertheless, um, your revenues and both both your local revenues are going to grow. Uh, there's still international, you know, travel constraints and things that are dampening recovery in that area. I also wanted to highlight that measure O, I'm sure you all know this, but there's a 10-year tax approval. So it sunsets in March 31st of 2025. So there's about three years left on your local transaction tax. Lots of headwind kinds of issues around inflation, rising interest rates, supply chains, fuel prices. So those are just kind of a, a, a cocktail volatility uh, that has some bearing on how we're doing our forecasting or what the future may hold. Generally, you know, the stuff I'm reading and, and that we look at as a team find that people, particularly in contrast to the prior recession, have a reasonable amount of, you know, equity in their home savings that they've put aside. Some of that could have been stimulus related. And so they're in generally better financial condition, which helps and some of that money is getting directed towards taxable goods and generating sales tax revenues. I think as far as the economic needs of the city are concerned, from my perspective, um, 
you know, you're in a, you're kind of in a unique node, at, you know, the southern end of Marin County, and you've done a really good job as a community, you know, developing uh, an attraction model that has people coming in and spending money there from many, many places beyond what your, your residents are doing. Uh, it's going to be difficult as a, you know, when you look at that, that gap chart to kind of figure out large tax generators, there's just, you know, large tax generators typically are large footprints. And I, I don't think you have a lot of that space available. I think it's wise to continue to build on the base and, and you know, use your maritime uses to your advantage. Uh, and then maybe there's some ways you might think about incentivizing some of those gap areas. And, and one example of that, um, might be, you know, how, how do they get there and, and what's the process for, you know, tenanting, getting people into businesses, maybe where you have uh, vacancies or those kinds of things. Are there some programs that the city could develop that would be, um, that would help that and, and kind of at least turn those, uh, those existing spaces into revenue generating at some point. So those are, that's um, what I have to share with you this afternoon, I'm glad to take any questions. And I can put up that retail analytics if you'd like to see that, Tom. So uh, I think it'd be great to put that up while we all prepare our questions. And what I want to thank you. That was very, very thorough, and and I knew it'd be educational because this is new to most of us. So thank you for that succinct presentation. Uh, at this sure. time, we will have an opportunity to ask Ken questions after he presents this next slide. Um, then we'll go to public comment on this item. So uh, Ken, I'll let you present this retail analytics. Yeah, let me just do this real quick. So just a, a quick little four page report. We have a, we actually have an economic development part of our business called Econ Solutions. So they work in this area and often help communities with very specific projects related to development of a particular site or retenanting or those kind of things. So this is, um, this is just trying to show you, trying to make this a little bigger. So not everybody has to squint so much. Um, but this just runs down starting in general retail. And, and as I say, kind of identifying what, what kind of site they're looking for. Are they expanding in Northern or Southern California or all of it? Who to contact? Uh, and there's a list here of retailers. Some of these names you're obviously going to recognize. Uh, some of these you're even going to have, you know, some of these, uh, a handful of these uh, retailers or restaurants in your in your database already. So we, we list restaurants here as well. And then I think what's helpful on the back page is just um, drugstores. We try to cluster them. So if, if you're concentrating on, you know, two stores or food stores or drug stores, you can kind of quickly see who's in the business of expanding this year and what kind of, you know, annual tax revenue that might generate. Some are going to be fairly nominal. Some obviously are more um, more substantial. So, so I will. And if, if we could have uh, access to that report, that'd be very interesting. To yeah, see. I'll just send it over. Yeah, it's easy time. I'll just send it over after the after the meeting today. So, all right. Well, uh, again, thank you. Um, I see that Monica has her hand up. So, Monica, would you like to ask a question? Monica, you're muted. Yes. Thank you so much for the information you've provided. It's really helpful and gives some light to what we're doing. You mentioned something about other cities giving incentives, and I'd like to hear from you what kinds of incentives you've noticed or are 
seem to be general in some of the other locations? Yeah, I think it depends on the purpose. So, I mean, um, some cities go as far as, you know, implementing tax sharing agreements. That, that gets pretty formal. That tends to be uh, done for uh, businesses that provide pretty substantial tax revenue. So they tend to be larger, you know, fulfillment center or other kinds of operations. That's not going to apply here. But I also know that um, there are ways that um, outdoor dining has become fairly prevalent, uh, that the pandemic, um, given the constraints of being able to serve people indoors, some of that that became temporary is now looking at becoming more permanent and trying to figure out the balance of allowing, maybe you're giving up parking spaces or other public space uh, to be able to allow those establishments to, you know, restaurants to flourish that way. So what, what's the gap there? Uh, what, what's the need and, and how, how might that be incentivized? Um, if it's not in place already, and maybe you have some of that. So uh, maybe not as much as needed. I'm not sure. But. Thank you. Welcome. Hello, also want to echo great presentation been curious to see, um, you know, the different categories and how they stack up. Um, this might be a little off topic, but I thought I would at least ask because listening to this wondering, is there a way for a smaller city like Sausalito that has major land constraints to uh, do an exchange with a neighboring city where we might take more industrial use, they could take some of the housing, um, you know, mandates that we're required to have. I'm thinking of like a city or business buying carbon offsets. Again, I don't know if that's something that we can answer here in this committee, but it just came to me as I'm watching this. It's a, it's a really great question. Um, I'm not, um, I don't work in the property tax arena a lot or land use stuff um, in that sense. Um, it, it would be really good. I, I think it's probably, it's equally an important question for the state um, you know, as you're figuring out your arena planning and all that stuff, and if you were to trade some of that off with another community, would that even be accept? Would that be an acceptable outcome for both cities or both jurisdictions at the state level? Uh, it would seem. I mean, on the surface, it would seem like if the numbers are being met, that would make sense. But that's that's way beyond my uh, authority. I mean, it's a it's a creative idea. I do know of a couple of cities in Southern California that had uh, a bit, couple operations of a business, one on one side of the, of the jurisdictional line and one on the other, and they worked out an agreement to find a way to properly share in the sales tax revenues as they were um, figuring out some expansion and modernization of those facilities. And those, are, those are pretty rare. What's that? I was just going to say, Malcolm, your question is a great one. We should pass it on to HEAC, the Housing <laughs> Development Advisory Committee. But it's, it's a creative uh, creative idea. It's really creative, yeah. Um, I see John has his hand up. Thanks, Tom. And uh, thanks, Ken. Great presentation. Appreciate it. Yeah. I have a few questions. Um, first of all, of the uh, one of the beginning slides, the 8.5% you said 1% uh, is uh, some split between the city and county. Um, can you give any more details as to how that split goes? How much oh, the yeah. city gets, how much the county gets? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not, uh, that's not split. It's either the city or the county. I don't know if, maybe I didn't say that clearly. So if you're a business that's in Marin County unincorporated area, okay. uh, they get the 1% of the total tax rate, the county does. Uh, all the 11 cities and towns that remain in Marin, they're also getting their 1% for the businesses in those communities. That's Got not it. a shared. Okay. That is not shared. Understood. Um, the other question I have is um, boat sales. Could you, we have obviously uh, several yacht brokers here. Um, we have uh, some big ticket items that get sold here as, as boats get repowered, new engines. Um, could you go through um, this, how the sales tax flows for a boat that the transaction actually happens here in Sausalito? Is it the 1% sure. and the 0.5% and yeah, that's it? it would be, uh, let me do this. It would be very similar to my car example, because I mentioned vessels, um, yes. aircraft, I think boats would, and yachts would fit yes. into all that. So it's the same illustration here. If, if one of your local merchants is selling yachts, they're, they're, um, whoever's buying that, they're paying what's called the base tax rate. It's a seven and a quarter percent rate. Uh, and you're getting the 1% of that. You're getting that Bradley Burns 1%. That's your sales tax revenue. If, if that buyer, uh, if that, excuse me, if that, yeah, if that buyer happens to be a resident of Sausalito, you're also getting your measure O revenue. Uh, more than likely, a number of those sales are to people outside of the city. And so those communities might be getting their local transaction taxes should they have one. Um, so that would, have, you know, to reverse this, if the boat buyer was in San Rafael and came to Sausalito, um, they'd be, that buyer would be paying the San Rafael transaction use tax rates, not all right. Sausalitos. Um, now, it's also my understanding that at the, at the time of sale, the yacht broker does not collect the sales tax. Uh, does that sound right to you? No. That is correct. Uh, but, but there may be, there may be, there may be a nuance. Well, there's a time of sale that I suppose there's a time of delivery. Is that, is that, is that the, is that well, the Malcolm, distinguishing difference here? Malcolm's a yacht broker. Perhaps he can enlighten us. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, make sure I'm unmuted. Um, yeah, we do not collect the actual sales tax or use tax. Uh, the buyers get a bill from the state of California, uh, depending on where the boat ends up being registered. So um, yeah, it doesn't flow through us at all, but it then the city or county portion uh, lands back at those agencies once the buyer's been built. Okay. I'm uh, glad we're teaching Ken something. <laughs> and I have last one last question, Ken. We have yeah. a company here in town called Cartelligent. Okay. Um, and um, Obviously, you know, $60,000 cars go through there all the time. Um, I, I've been told, again, this is anecdotal information, that Sausalito really does not get uh, much of anything in those transactions because it's some corporate entity elsewhere or, or for whatever reason. I'm hoping that that's not true. Any ideas? Uh, I, have to, I just have to look that up um, specifically rather than try to... Yes, that one off the top of my head. So um, there, are, I, I can tell you there are 
examples. Um, Carvana, which is a name you might recognize, is an example of a lot. While they do generate uh, local taxes for four agencies in California, they also dump a lot of their sales tax revenue in the pools because they're transferring title to the vehicle out of state. It's the way their business model is structured. And so um, sales tax revenue doesn't come back to a lot of places where people might think it should, maybe based upon where they conducted the transaction. So each of the these online car dealers, it's a industry that's evolving relative to an antiquated sales tax law. I, I just have to look at it specifically. Okay, yeah, because there are no car, there are no autos that are actually, you know, in, uh, sold here in, yeah. in physically uh, lying in a lot here. So right. it would be good information to know because if we're missing that, it's a big number. Yeah. I, I will look and I'll, I'll, I'll write something back to Tom and uh, Chris and thank you. Um, see if I can find out exactly. When we look at any distribution of revenue, we're really on an online sale, a car or anything, we're concerned about where's the order desk, where the sale take place, where's the inventory as we talked about, and then really where's the buyer or consumer? Where's this thing getting, where does it end up? So uh, I'll look that up and find out what's going on. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much, Chair Riley. Riffing off of John Dre's question there, uh, first off, thank you for a very informative presentation. Um, in the case that he just described, if the if the way it's categorized means that the, that a company, Company X, doesn't pay sales tax because the product is passing through but goes somewhere else, but the business is still headquartered here, mm -hmm. is there a way of capturing some of that in our business license tax, or is there is that also possibly exempt? I uh, I would presume in your business license ordinance that that business most businesses pay a business license. They might have different rates, so you might you might still be capturing your business license. It's probably fairly nominal, and it certainly would be relative to the kinds of revenues that are generated on a car sales for sales tax. The, those are apples and oranges in terms of value. So, okay. Just looking at this slide again, um, Ken, the, uh, what about the situation where, uh, I guess the question is, what does it mean about a, pla a place where the vehicle is registered? So uh, my car, of course, is registered at my home address. Mm -hmm. My vote happens also to be registered at my home address, uh, but the vote's actually in the Sausalito Yard. Uh, so, uh, is the boat registered at my home or does it live at the Sausalito Yacht Harbor? Uh, I do not know. <laughs> maybe your, uh, maybe your expert on the committee could answer that question. I just, when, I don't do a lot of work around boats and Yacht Harbor. It's not, I mean, it's very common, obviously in Sausalito, it's not particularly common in most of our clients, so. And we, we pay property taxes on our boats in those properties. Uh, you know, so it's big, based on population might be a good idea. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. And I would come on your screen, Lily, what I took away was the importance of us retaining that business. Uh, <laughs> they're planning to go public. And with that, they have lots of opportunities. We wanna make sure they stay in Sausalito. Uh, Sandra, I see you have your hand up, please. Andrew, you've been unmuted and have to share your video. 
Unmute. All right. What happens is we get a, a notice to unmute when we've already tried to unmute it ourselves. I'm sorry, my dog is being a really bad boy. I, I was really delighted to see the the uh, the maritime uses being so. Excuse me, just a moment. The maritime uses being so uh, popular in the uh, financial uh, realm for the city of Sausalito. Consider that we've got 2,100 boats. We need to maintain our boat yards in order to have those boat services and serviced. And we know, all of you who are boat owners out there, which I am, that um, that every haul out is a multi-thousand dollar job, which generates a tremendous amount of money. So. We do want to keep those businesses here in Sausalito and not ship them over to Richmond or to whatever's left of the Alameda working waterfront, but rather to have those businesses provide the services in our backyard and then get the sales and get the tax benefits uh, to our city coffers. Okay, that's all I had. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. All right. Chair Riley, I see no other hand raised. Thank you, Serge. You're amazing. Um, all right. Any final comments from uh, the EDAC members? Um, I will open by just thanking Ken for a great presentation and the follow-up on the items. Uh, that This is very useful uh, data for us. So thank you. Any comments? I see John has his hand up. John? Thanks, Tom. Um, the last three or four slides you showed about retail companies uh, looking to expand in California. Do you have similar um data for industrial or technology companies um and if so if, if you could send that over that'd be great thank you yeah i don't john i don't have anything specific uh, those are uh, much more nuanced meaning that not the kind of a thing we would put together and share on a statewide level so um if the city is interested in in a particular business i could probably try to run to ground what's happening um in terms of expansion, but it's much, much harder to get that information uh, on those uses. It's just really challenging. Okay, thank you. Yeah. All right, Ken, thank you very much. Um, this was great. We went uh, over the time that I had hoped, but I knew this was uh, a one-time chance for us to get this information and, and get educated. So uh, thank you. I'm gonna usher us along on the remainder of our agenda. Okay. So to move. You. Uh, Ken, you're welcome to stay, but I'm sure you have better things to do. I am uh, going to, I'm going to say goodbye and thank you. Enjoyed being with you this afternoon. You're great. Okay. Um, item two is our marketing subcommittee to do a report out. So uh, most of the topics are be covered by Monica, Cass, and Scott. So I'm just going to turn over to the three of you on how, what order do you want to go? We'll just follow the agenda that you have uh, listed here and start out with Wednesday Night Live. And many of you have heard the update, but we've got a lot of fun events coming. One is this Wednesday and hope to see you all on Caledonia. We're alternating between Caledonia and Bank of Marin. And this one is a familiar group to the city, um, Joe DeBellis and his wife Pat, wife, Pat Ronzoni. And I think, again, I'm really, urging you all on May 4th to come down to the B of A for the mariachi band. It's called Mariachi Nuevo Generacion Banda, which means it's a new generation. They're from the mission. And I think they are going to be hot, hot, hot. Uh, so the rest of the year is pretty well organized. And 
Um, we really, really would love to have your support on all your friends' support. We're getting there with our social media, thanks to Kevin and to Scott. Uh, we need more, but I think we're really um, making an impact, especially with the Caledonia people. So I think that that's all positive. There, there's a band that Scott referred to us called Moss 11. And I must admit, or suggest my age, I don't even know who the Weezers are or the Killers are, but that's what they replicate in their band. And I'm like, I had to look them up like, okay, who are these guys? So anyway, it sounds like fun. Uh, and uh, want you all to come down. That'll be at Caledonia. Um, the other bullet point you have here is, Tom, you have this upcoming B of A um, building events. So because the, we have worked with uh, the city under EDAC's auspices, we have been able to have events there, such as the Holiday by the Bay and the Maker's Fair and things like that. So they, the city has been kind enough to support Marin Open Studios. They will be there the first two weeks of May, 13 artists, in addition to about 200 artists on their open tour throughout Marin County. So again, open doors in, in the B of A building with Marin Open Studios. Another really, really cool event that's just started to be formed by the Sausalito Art Festival Foundation is they are reaching out to a, a lot of artists in their portfolio and uh, requesting that they submit art that would be available for sale and displayed in the building. Again, kind of uh, showing what our building idea is all about for the use of the building. And any proceeds from the sale of art would be going to uh, a humanitarian organization to help Ukraine. So those are two really fabulous uh, events that are happening, plus the mariachi band. So we are enlivening downtown and we're enlivening Caledonia, um, just what we've been asked to do. Um, then I think that's all on my agenda. Does I'm going to ask Scott if he has anything, or should wait? You have you have CDA metrics. You guys go together on that, right? Okay, Cass. Next, unmute, please. Okay, I'm muted, and I'm going to share my screen. Can you guys see that now? Oops, I gotta say share, sorry. There. Can you see my screen? We yeah. can see bl black. Well, it's coming up. Black? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's okay now? No, no. It, we say, it says you started sharing, but it hasn't, you don't see your screen yet. Ah. Tell me when you can see it. Maybe I should just talk through these and not show them so much. You, you may want to um, turn it off and try again. Try again, yeah, try again. Okay, let me try again. Or if you want to try emailing them to me, Cass, I can pull them up. you with us? I think Cass is frozen. Yeah, I think so. Um, Serge, are you with us? 
I'm still here, Chair Riley. I'm trying to figure it out if I can stop the share on my end. Uh, Cass yeah. sent you two presentations before this meeting. You could bring up one of them. You know, I'm working from the council chamber's computer. I don't have them up, okay. so my apologies. Maybe Cass could close out and dial back in. Okay, so we are out of share screen. Um, Scott, would you be able to share? Okay. I can, um, maybe, I, Tom, if it's good to you, I'll go ahead and go to my section and then hopefully Cass can rejoin us and share. Does that work? Yes. Okay, me. great. So um, I'm gonna share my screen and then hand the mic over to Kevin um, to share updated CDA metrics from the month of March um, and a quick update on uh, marketing. So let me just go into slideshow mode. One moment. Can we see your slides, Scott? Okay, great. Let me just. Okay, Kevin, over to you. All right, there you go. Thank you. Sorry, I wasn't able to unmute myself. Thank you, everybody. Um, so yeah, let's go through. We're at the end of Q1. Um, gonna go through a little overview here, um, some some news and kind of just wanna give you guys, go through the metrics, and then we'll go through what we're looking to be doing uh, in Q2 at a high level. Uh, so quick overview, we just completed this uh, PDF, and I'm gonna send this out. This is one of the tools we're gonna use to try to better engage businesses. But it's just specifically kind of a, a how-to guide both for existing and then as new businesses come into the city for new businesses, um, how to best use the destination Salcedo um, channels. Uh, we don't control the website, but you know, in terms of PR, event promotions, social media promotion, things like that, um, how to get how to get in touch with us, the format, you know, uh, just kind of step by step to really hold people's hands through it, because that's where we're seeing lots of uh, success has been through these kinds of uh, you know little small things for businesses in light of not having a big, you know, like uh, Holiday by the Bay type uh, you know, event series or whatever happening this quarter. Um, we also produced uh, itineraries, three of them. We have another one coming out for romance. So far we've done wellness, family day trip, and uh, dog-friendly itineraries. Uh, I think only one of them is currently up on the website, but we'll share the other two and have those three up as well. Um, and I'm going to go into the actual social media metrics we have, but uh, one metric that we don't track because we don't typically use it as a performance metric, but it's still worth mentioning just because it's such a step up is we got over 18,000 views um, through Destination Salcedo's Instagram page. And that's up from zero because that was a, a channel that uh, is relatively new and it wasn't being um, utilized prior to Q1 of this year. So um, that was a, actually a great source of engagement for us uh, on social media. Or, and, and I'll get into a little more detail on that in a little bit. Um, we got media coverage uh, twice for Visit California, which is really nice to see. Um, we got it for Family Spring Break uh, on their social account. And uh, they focus on maritime culture. And then also Digital Detox, where they talked about uh, hiking and cycling and proximity to, to the great outdoors. Um, we've been focusing a lot on trying to uh, get coverage uh, and local calendars and um, like little local mentions uh, from re regional placements for all of the events that are happening. Wednesday Night Live, we got 46 placements for the Herring Festival 12, uh, the Grand Prix, the Sailing Grand Prix that was I think last weekend, um, we got nine placements for that. 
um, with the story not of the event itself, but of Sausalito being the best place to see the event and then suggested places that you could go to uh, watch the event unfold in Sausalito and in the Easter egg hunt. Um, we also, uh, a few weeks, a few months ago, did the uh, initial audit of the uh, possibility of doing a mobile app for the city. And then Scott and I have actually had discussions since then about, you know, uh, possibly like other digital options, um, which we'll get into in a little bit. You can go to the next slide, Scott. So this is something that we'll um, share, um, but it's essentially, uh, it's contact info for the different people at CDA who are handling um, the different pieces of the account right now. Um, and it's just, if you have anything related to your business or your organization, um, doesn't, it's primarily for businesses, but not exclusively. This is how you can get, you know, make sure you're getting the uh, attention that, you know, you deserve on social media, if there's an event happening, uh, or if there's anything that's related to PR, this is how to reach out. Um, and just recommendations on, hey, here's like an image. So for example, if we're trying to get um, an event promoted uh, in, you know, the Bay Area and Sonoma County and stuff, um, this is the best kind of an image because they're gonna, uh, it's something that's gonna have the most utility in different kinds of placements for different kinds of uh, articles. Let's go on to the next one. So looking at Q2 moving in, um, one of the things we want to focus on uh, that Scott and I discussed was weeknights. Um, you know, that uh, weekends are becoming increasingly popular in Sausalito uh, coming out of Omicron, um, but there's still room for improvement on weeknights, and that's a big part of where Wednesday Night Live is happening. So we want to make sure that, you know, our stories that we're going out with are also positioning Sausalito as a regional destination if you're in the Bay Area, if you're in wine country for a fun thing to do on weeknights, and, you know, we get off work, or come over there in the evening and have a nice dinner um, and, and driving traffic in there, um, and also local traffic as well. We wanna make sure we're showcasing warm weather activities for the spring and the summer, and not just the activity, but connecting that specifically back with these itineraries, not that those are out. Um, and then we have these new tools and processes in place, um, specifically this PDF, um, but also we have new internal processes we're using as well to kind of manage and keep track of requests, because we can't, you know, we can't accommodate 100% of the requests that will come in, but just to make sure we're giving, you know, being fair while still making a, a page that's going to be exciting to um, exciting to everybody. Uh, an area of improving the Instagram profile, we've been focusing a lot on being very proactive and reaching out to travelers and to people with large Instagram followings. Um, now we're going to be doing a little bit of maintenance on the profile itself. The highlights, for example, need to be updated. So someone actually comes and visits the Instagram profile, which is not usually how people will engage with us on Instagram. They'll see, you know, updated highlight reels um, that are a little more up to date for the new quarter. Big emphasis is on video and on images, but especially on video for Instagram reels. Um, basically, it, Instagram has redone its algorithm. So if you share reels, they get sent to a lot more people. They're trying to compete with TikTok. So if you share TikTok style content, more people will see it um, than, than like a, a static image you would. Um, so the way we're doing that because we don't really have it in the budget to go out and produce content, um, we are combining our outreach to local travelers uh, with this effort. So basically we're finding people who are visiting the city and posting their own content especially people who have large you know, followers of several thousand or more, and we're engaging with them and reposting that content and reformatting it for, uh, for uh, 
Destination Sausalito reel. So we're, we're able to grow the channel's reach and followers that way. Um, you can see here, this was actually the top performing post of Q1. This is a user-generated piece of content. And this is great. Um, this actually ties into one of the stories we talked about for Sausalito, which is that as a hub um, for the whole county, right? So this, is a, this person's post was, take a one-minute vacation through Marin County. First stop, South Salido. They went to La Garage, they uh, looked at the floating homes, they went on the Fern Creek Loop Trail, then they went up the road to Stinson Beach, Point Reyes, down to Nick's Cove. But it told this complete story of Marin County with South Salido as, as basically like the, the core and the, the launch pad for it. Um, I think this is a great format, and so did viewers. This had a terrific reach. I think it reached about 8,000 people. Um, a, just organically from the algorithm uh, because it was um, so popular. That's significantly more than people who actually follow the Destination South Salido Instagram page. Um, a couple uh, suggestions moving forward. Um, we'll be submitting a glamping prompt today that focuses on uh, actually houseboats as a alternative to glamping. Uh, we've got the Sense of Travel Awards coming up in a couple of weeks that we'll be submitting to. Uh, I think we already talked with Tom about that. Um, and then one initiative we wanted to just uh, float is the possibility of starting to build an owned uh, email account for visitors. So this is something that wouldn't pay dividends right away, but it's very, very cost efficient to implement, um, where basically we can have some sort of a, a raffle or some sort of light incentives at events where we know we're going to get a higher percentage of visitors versus a local audience. Um, and we just have people voluntarily, it can be by hand even, they voluntarily submit uh, an email address, and ideally a zip code so we know where they're from, um, and we can start to uh, build out a visitor marketing list, right? We have the currents, which is a great way of marketing to locals and residents, but if we want to market specifically to visitors, I think there's probably a lot of people in the region who would love to know when there's a new event or event series, or if there's some kind of special promotion happening at their favorite business, and it's, you know, eventually, you, you know, you can build that up over the course of several events or even several years, you suddenly have a, a, an owned channel that's very cost effective for just pushing information out the way the currents is a very cost effective way of pushing information out to residents. Um, and that's something that there are digital ways we could do. We could have forms on people's phones, the QR code, but you could also just do it the old fashioned way where people just fill out a scrap of paper at the event. Um, to get entered into a raffle, and they can check a box that if they want news, um, and then they've then they've subscribed into it, and we can get for relatively um, relatively low cost. You can have you know an, an email distribution list set up through a number of different uh, tools, or some tools that are even borderline free if you don't mind having like the tools logo in the corner. All right, so let's go to the next page. So let's go through KPI uh, metrics. From Q1 over Q4, uh, obviously, big difference uh, was not having a holiday event series. Um, but even with that, we still um, saw, uh, I think, some pretty good metrics. Combine what we've been doing since November, we've hit 200 posts uh, published at this point. Um, that hits a, a little over a million digital coverage views, 344,000 this quarter. Um, and uh, almost approximate number of estimated social shares. That's not our social media content, that's estimated people sharing content posted by you know other websites. Um, if you look at the social media engagement we've gotten, let's, uh, actually let's jump through here so I can have the terminology referencing on the left. <laughs> yeah, um, let's jump up one more. Okay, 
So uh, we've been slowly growing our followers. Um, I think we've grown Instagram about 6% uh, in the last three months. We took over the last week of last year. Um, and so we've grown it uh, about 6%, I think. Um, but as you'll notice, the Instagram reach is significantly higher, right? So we have 1,700 followers, but we have 14,700 people that we've reached. And that's just because the way we're doing it is we're not treating it as a channel where we're just pushing content out to followers. We are really being very active in, in reaching out to travelers and, and the community. Um, the engagement rate is high, uh, typical benchmark for travel on Instagram. You're looking at, um, for a few thousand uh, followers, between one to like 6%. Uh, if you're doing a good job, it's eight to 9%. We're actually seeing people really, really excited to engage at 15 or 14% for Instagram and Facebook. Um, and though this is kind of just for our own knowledge, the percentage that are identified as not being in South Salido is 84%. So that means 16% of our uh, followers uh, of that page, um, of the social pages, are from South Salido, and 84% are our visitors. So we know we are, in fact, reaching people from out of town here. Um, and we also have our first benchmark of hashtag volume going up. We saw about 9,000 uh, 9, uh, count increase in the total number of uh, Instagram posts that are hashtagging our, um, our database of hashtags we've identified is definitely about the city of South Salido and these businesses. All right, let's go to the next section. Uh, we ran some paid media earlier in the year when we were looking at health and wellness uh, as a story, and we got good traction with that, but we have been holding off paid media for um, the spring for now as we're getting these other stories out. So that has not changed in a couple of months. So you can keep going, so. Um, so yeah, this slide is, is the same as we haven't run uh, additional paid media since that that uh, that first the first month and a half, I think. Um, but you can still see the breakdown from the ads that were run in terms of where we've been targeting. All right, that is the end of that wrap-up. All right, thank you. We'll sit around the deck so um, folks can take a closer look. And if you have any questions, um, do let us know. Um, but exciting to see some great progress. We have, um, as Kevin mentioned, we have a few more itineraries that we'll be launching on Destination Salcedo website and, and pushing those out to press and uh, on social media platforms. Um, we are also have um, some, some things in the work to promote um, opening day on the Bay, which is later this month, uh, as well as, uh, as Kevin highlighted, the, the Easter parade and, and activities that are here in town um, and more planned for summer around Wednesday Night Live. So um, always open for more. So if you have ideas or if you see, um, if you know things that are happening that you want to just forward to us, we're always on the hunt for great social media content. So send it our way. And I think that is all from me for now. Monica, do you have a question? No, I have a comment. Um, I, listening to Kevin's comments on the Gmail collection, you know, you and I met with Kavala Point. They've offered to help disseminate possibly to information to their people and they have like a gazillion email addresses and the same is true with Gene Hiller they've offered to help do some distribution of some events and whatnot because they can pile on to those events like come to mariachi band and come into our store and we'll blah 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 so we should really take advantage of those offers I think if that makes sense to you guys anyway yeah it does and I think I know Cass and and um so the other, the hotels especially will have a database of emails. I don't know. I think Julie, the chamber is not collecting uh, 
emails of visitors coming in, but um, but you know, if we had a, even something on the Saucedo, Destination Saucedo website where we could the capture that has, information. Go ahead. Scott, the chamber has over 36,000 emails that we've collected over the years from visitors uh, via the kiosk. And we do have that list. And you do have that, <clears throat> okay, great. So so there's definitely more than we can do there. I think that um, you know, once figuring out the right content that we push out um, is gonna be really critical. Um, and I think having a, a really strong hook to bring people in is going to be critical. So, um, but there's definitely more we can do there for sure. Awesome, uh, Scott. One, we're so fortunate to have you be point with Kevin and team on this. Uh, we're seeing the increased data points, and ideally, you know, in, in a few quarters, we start looking at those sales tax revenues and try to correlate those uh, the impact that we're having. So, thank you very much for that. Um, so this the cda metrics report was a separate business item than the prior one um and i didn't take public reports so we didn't finish so what i'm going to do is we're going to go back to cas to close out the uh item two and then we'll take public comment on both business items two and three combined so Cass, you're back with us are you able to talk about lighting i'm, I'm back um i think Serge has the slides as do you tom so i think it might be higher I will share the slides and I, I did bring them up during the break. So I, I can't get my video up right now either. So, okay, here comes the slides. Great. Thanks. So you can go in this presentation is going to be about lighting downtown Sausalito and Caledonia. And so why do we want to light areas? Well, it creates a warm and inviting space. It increases visits to stores and restaurants. It increases the amount of time that visitors and residents spend in lit areas because they feel safe when they're lit. And it also increases security. So what you've got in the bottom, the image in the bottom right there is um, actually 4th Street in Santa, in Berkeley um, during the holidays. And uh, that area is totally jammed in the holidays because of the lights. So you hit the next one, Tom. The next one. So what types of lights are there? There are lots of different types of lights. But we're going to talk about today are both festival lights, which are the lights usually that are hung overhead, and um, wrapping trees. So, so those are two different examples, and I've got information on both. Okay, next slide. Thanks. So what's the feasibility of lighting in um, Sausalito? I've, I met with a couple of people uh, and one vendor so far. And so downtown, it's very feasible. There are electric outlets on most of the trees and in Vina Del Mar. Uh, many of the trees have already light, have some lights in the canopy, but they're not currently being lit at night, which um, we, I don't understand why. So I'm trying to figure out why they're not even lit. But I think that downtown needs more lighting than even those lights in the canopy. On Caledonia, it's much more of a challenge as there are fewer trees than downtown and there are no outlets on the trees except for in front of Sushi Ron, which has already lit its trees. Um, so to light Caledonia's trees re require one landowner on each side of the block to provide electricity. Um, however, festival lights and think right now, the police and the fire stations have festival lights that are lit every night. They're overhead. And that actually is feasible uh, on Caledonia. Next slide. So estimated costs, I've got costs from one vendor and we're gonna talk some more but you have a fixed setup cost of about $7,100. Uh, downtown, 
uh, and I'm calling downtown 819 Bridgeway to the Trident building. Um, the festival lights would cost about $9,800. If we wrap the trees up to 20 feet on Bridgeway and in Vina Del Mar, that would be $33,000. And this is where we can really cut back a lot, do less trees, not do Vina Del Mar. So that number is very fungible uh, according to our funding and what we actually wanna do. So we can reduce the number of trees. In Caledonia, the uh, quote I got for the festival lights is about $6,500. So these are early estimates and I'm talking uh, to multiple vendors, at least two and probably a third. Uh, so we can kind of, you know, I think competition is a good thing and hopefully we can drive some of these estimates down. Next slide. So funding, uh, we're, we, we're proposing uh, a public private model. I did meet with uh, Chris about the general uh, city manager about uh, different, what he's experienced with funding and how these things get funded. And I think the thing that is gonna work the best is a private model with both the city and landowners and merchants funding the effort. Um, we wanna to propose today, starting with some seed funding from the chamber, they have about $2,000, along with $10,000 that was allocated to the EDAC chamber for, love, for the chamber's program, Love Sausalito, in the 2021-22 budget. And then we wanna work with, using that seed money, work with merchants and landowners to raise additional funding. And I, I know that there is a lot of interest in doing this. I'm sure some people won't want to, but there, I know for, for instance, Gene Hiller is very interested in moving forward. So other, I'm sure other merchants will be too. So the next slide. So I, got, I wanna put a motion before uh, EDAC that um, EDAC used the $10,000 in the 21-22 budget, which was allocated to the Chamber's Love Sausalito program to support the lighting um, and moving forward with a lighting program for downtown Sausalito and Caledonia streets. Um, the $10,000 is funding that has to be allocated before the end of the fiscal year, which is June 30th, 2022. And um, you know, Julie and I've talked about this. She came up with this idea. Um, and I think it's a great way to start us off on, uh, on getting the funding for lighting uh, both areas of the town. You want a motion now? I, Tom, which I do now is now or later. Uh, well, I think now is a good time to have discussion and then we'll yep. have to put a public comment and then we'll take the motion afterwards. Great. Any questions for Cass? Julie and Malcolm, they have their hands up. Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's go. I think Julie, you had your hand up first. And then we'll go to Malcolm after you, Julie. Yeah, I, I think I need to explain a little better since I have two, a board, a former board member and my board chair on here, I think I need to explain a little better about the 10,000, the 2,000. The $2,000 is left over from when we sold the Love Sausalito masks. That is sitting in an account that was supposed to go to um, grants, you know, to help businesses recover from COVID. That is the leftover portion. The 10,000 was put into EDAC's budget last year to go to that same grant program, but we have not seen a need. And instead of helping just five businesses, I thought using the 10,000 that was supposed to help a few businesses through COVID, that that 10,000 can be allocated to help all the businesses with the, with the lighting. So it's not, it's, I, I wanna make sure 
that the board members on here realize it's not coming from the chamber's um, budget. It is coming from funds that were allocated for the Love Sausalito grant funds. Welcome. Thank you. That's um, as being a card carrying lighting nerd, I do a lot of festival lighting, a lot of holiday lighting. Um, Wanted to know, have we purchased any equipment yet? Because there's some really incredible new tech coming where probably for not much more money, we could have the, uh, these lights that will change color and do motions. It would be really nice at holiday time. We could go the slow red green scroll overhead or something like that. That would be a lot more uh, impact for maybe a little bit more money. So I just wanted to know, do we already own any of this stuff? No, we don't. Concept, okay. Yeah, and that's a great idea. I've seen those lights and they, they can be fantastic. Yeah, I just played with some that um, will literally blow your mind. It's it's really from everything from really subtle to, um, you know, music sync and all sorts of stuff. It's amazing what you can do now. Great. Monica? I just think this is a fantastic idea. We've talked about it for a while. And thanks to Cass for digging in and pulling some of these this information together. And I you can look around all of the events that we have been putting on. We need some lights down at the Bank of America building. We need some lights down in Caledonia Street, especially when it's you know winter night. We have to pull a tripod of lights from Parks and Rec to light up the performer. So I think it's a fantastic idea and it's a great use of the money and it will increase the ambiance and the attraction of our city. So I'm all over it. Anyway, thanks, Cass. John? Yeah, I'm just gonna jump in. I think downtown San Rafael during COVID used this very effectively uh, and you could you could see how that lighting uh helped bring people in so i think it's we have got a lot of examples we can look at it seeing this idea really works so i just very strongly support this lighting idea thanks don and also in the slides when i i talked about the different types of lighting the example of festival lights is from san rafael yeah it looked familiar yeah um this is tom um i have a comment um, uh, the way I view this is, you know, the city would be putting in $10,000. The business community through the chamber would be putting in $2,000. Do we believe we can get the business community to put in more? Um, can we go beyond a total of $12,000 and get up to twenty dollars or $25,000 and get the nice lights like Malcolm said? And so could we set this up as like a dollar-for-dollar dollar match? Um, That's a great idea. You know, we say, look, the city will put it up to $10,000 based on a dollar for dollar match and we already have $2,000 contributed from the chamber and the, you know we go to the business community and say look can you come up with another 8,000 and we'll have 20 total. I, I, I think that's a great way to go and we also you know the festival lights are pretty inexpensive and considering what you get you know you get them all down the street and they're not that expensive when you get a large area um, illuminated uh, so I think you know, we can kind of maybe go with those first and then see if we can raise even more money to do uh, some of the tree wrapping. You know, I think in talking with Caledonia merchants, because we've had several meetings with them, they would be all over this. They would, they have wanted the festival lighting and they have been promoting it. So I think that's one thing. And I, the Princess Street merchants already did some supporting of it, but somehow the light system seems to be out, which we need to investigate. But I think it's really positive, And I think they would come up with some of the matching money. 
I think that's important, Monica, knowing our community. They like to see the businesses share in this investment. Right. Um, so I think we set up as a matching fund. Um, any other questions before we go to public comment? And then we can come back and talk about the motion. I see John. Thanks, Tom. I think this is a great idea. Um, and obviously the purpose of this is to help our businesses uh, downtown in Caledonia. Um, I, I'm wondering if there's any data that shows that this kind of lighting does help the businesses. Um, that would be interesting to know. And if, if this is you know, what the business community wants, I think we should definitely go for it. I wonder if there's any other if there's been any other discussion about alternative ways to spend the ten thousand dollars to help the businesses or are the experts which i believe you know we've been hearing from some of the experts here uh kind of convinced that this is the way to go that this is the best use of that ten thousand dollars to help our businesses thanks thank you john uh chris hello hi yeah i was just going to provide some institutional uh, knowledge here. The festival lights by the public safety buildings of fire and the police station were put in at their grand reopening. And since I was on that committee, um, and then they were taken down after the opening and then everybody cried and, and said, we like those, we like those. So they went back up, um, after that. And then I was also going to mention, and Julie could pipe in here, um, you know, during the general plan, Julie had meetings with the Caledonia street merchants, as well as the, what we refer to as the downtown merchants. Um, and this topic came up a lot. So there is a lot of interest in this. And if you're looking for businesses to kind of match, I think you could start with those lists that Julie has of those people that came to those meetings because we did a lot of research I did with um, Park and Rec and because they, we didn't pursue it at the time because Park and Rec was doing um, and Public Works was redoing the trees and then the electricity going to the trees. But I think that's all been completed now. So I would go start with that data and and then go from there. So. Thank you. Um, if you guys, I didn't lower hands. If you can lower your hands, if you don't have a question anymore, that would be helpful. Um, what I suggest we do is we go to public comment on business items two, which was the marketing subcommittee update, and three, which was the CDA metrics reports. So uh, let's go to public comment on those two items. We covered a lot of content. Julie, I see your hand up. Do you have a comment before we go to public comment? I just have a comment. When we had our meeting last week with Chief Robacher, I asked the specific question if lighting would help with the smash and grabs and things that are happening in Sausalito. And his comment it was that it would not hurt. More lighting is always better for safety of not only our residents, but our visitors and our business. So that was the chief's comment last week at our meeting that we held. So I know that the, the chief and the police department feel that 
um, you know, lighting is always better for our community. Thank you, Julie. Uh, Serge, can you uh, open up for public comment, please? Sure. Chair Riley, it does not look like we have any public commenters at the moment. Earlier, I saw Kevin Carroll had his hand up, but he no longer has. There he is. Oh, there it is. Um, Kevin, you've been unmuted and asked to share your video. Good afternoon. Uh, well, I didn't want to get in. It's a comment about the CDA metrics, but I actually, I think I'd rather comment under item five uh, and leave the concentration on the light issue right now, if you don't mind. Thank you, Kevin. Okay. Um, without any further public comment, I'd like to bring it back to uh, final discussion. Um, there is a recommendation of a motion to allocate the $10,000 that was to go to the chamber for the Love Sausalito program um, to use that for the lighting. And I had suggested we do that on a dollar for dollar matching basis, recognizing that the chamber is already contributing 2000. So that would have us at uh, 2000 matching dollars or 4000 and we can go up to $10,000. They would like to make a motion to approve that. So uh, I wanted to clarify. So you're saying $10,000 matching to another 10,000. So we would have 20 plus the 2000 plus matching to. Um, no, I would say that currently we're at 12,000. Yes. And if we get $8,000 additional, then we can spend up to would have $20,000 to go towards the program. Okay. So moved. I'll second that. Okay, um, Serge, can you help take roll call on that motion? Sure, Bob Lalane. Yes. John DeRay. Uh, just a, a clarification, Tom, are you saying that right now it's 4,000 and it can go up to 20,000? Yes. Okay. Um, then I, uh, y yes, I agree, yes. Rachel Studd. Agreed. Scott Thornberg. Approved. Chris Gallagher. Yes. Malcolm Morgan. Approved. Monica Finnegan. Agree. Don Dadwell. Yes. Teresa Ancona. Yes. Vice Chair Green. Yes. And Chair Riley. Yes. Motion. Passes. Thank you all. It was unanimous. Um, wonderful. Thank you, Cass, for leading that effort. Um, I think the whole town is going to appreciate your work. Thank you. I'm really excited. Uh, let's move on to business item four, recognizing that we are really running out of time here. Um, uh, business item four is a business development update from Monica. If you can help keep that brief, Monica. I'll keep it really brief. Um, just a little bit of progress. Hotel Sausalito has gotten a permit. So they've started demolition and they will soon be working on the um, bringing in the new restaurant that they have a signed lease with. So that is fantastic news. And the restaurant will probably, given all of the uh, needs that they have to get approved, be open sometime in October, maybe November. There's a lease that's been signed in the bottom of the barrel house um, with a boba tea operation. They are meeting with the city to get approvals and with the health department 
So that is moving forward and there are lease negotiations underway at 819 Bridgeway. So if all of those things move along, we'll have some pretty good um, revitalization of downtown. Fabulous. Any I also have one thing to add to that, Tom. Um, a new restaurant is opening up where On Dean's is. Oh, right. So yeah. On Dean's is closing and, and a new restaurant is opening up on the second floor of the Trident. Great. Exciting. Exciting. Very cool. You know when that's happening, Julie? They're working on it right now. They're doing demolition. They, they're, they've run into some permit problems that <laughs> Heidi and I have been. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Uh, that Heidi and I have been working on uh, with them. Tom, can you stop sharing your screen? Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Um, yeah, we have a number of vacancies in town and it's exciting to see them slowly fill up. And obviously as they're filling up, there's a good effort to kind of curate the types of tenants we'd like to see um, that serve our local community as well as visitors. And uh, some of these new tenants are pretty exciting. So thank you to Monica, who's leading a lot of discussions with brokers and making those efforts. Um, on item four, we need to open up for public comments. Serge, can you let me know if there's any public comment on Monica's business development report? Chair Riley, there are no hands raised. All right, thank you. Um, item five is going to the new projects that city council asked us to focus on. Um, so I'd like you to just get an update on um, on these, uh, we'll begin with the first one, which was uh, brand working on our brand. I was hoping Scott could give us a update on that project. Sure, uh, and I'll keep it really short. Just to say, um, following our, our conversations at the last EDAC meeting, um, we've gotten some more feedback from, um, from many of you, and uh, and have started making uh, a list of things that we want to explore in some smaller focus groups. Um, as part of the marketing committee, we also identified that. Um, none of us are branding experts and we may want to consider bringing someone in um, to help us with that. So we've started um, some initial conversations to see uh, what consultants we may be able to bring in, also reviewing um, some of CDA's early recommendations um, and proposal that they were looking at around brand um, to see if that could also jumpstart the process. So um, there's more to come. We have a call next week with uh, one of Mayor Kelman's um, colleagues that she uh, recommended and um, and we'll hopefully have more to share and uh, as far as next steps um, in our next call. Great Scott and I think if we require you know funding to get a brand thing done it'd be nice to bring that forward so we can see if we can get approval. Um, yeah. Great thank you any um, questions for Scott? All right, um, Cass, you were leading the charge on a business improvement district. Yep, uh, uh, can I ask in post of you to do those slides? And I'll only be showing three of these. Uh, let Tom try to bring it up. So I know you sent a new slide. this. Okay, and come back to Zoom. Share. Oop. 
Okay, is that the right slide? Yeah, that's the right slide, thank you. Okay. Oops, sorry. Uh, so uh, this is a slide from from last month, so I don't want to go into detail about it, but it's, a, it's you know, we want to start an effort to create a Sausalito Business Improvement District. Um, the committee has uh, Monica and uh, I am on it, and I'd love to have others. Um, so you want to hit the next slide, Tom? Here's the work plan so far. So the first thing is to meet with expert and read materials to understand how bids work and ch ch uh, choose which type to pursue. There are several types, and I want to get uh, the, us to have that done by 2022. And also Teresa is on that committee. I'm sorry, on this committee. I'm sorry, didn't bring that up earlier. Um, we, uh, a meeting with Marco, who has met with the marketing committee before a meeting with him tomorrow to talk more about bids. I've already met with Chris and we met with Lloyd Silverstein. So we're starting to get a lot of information and, and by the end of April, we'll have some ideas. Then I wanna develop use cases and promotional materials. So I want um, to get use cases where you know, why, why would you want to do this? Um, you know, what kind of pain that the businesses are having would this solve? And I'll tell you one right away, it would be lighting uh, because usually cities do their lighting um, through their business improvement districts. And so, um, you know, this, we, we would get away from this passing the hat every time there's an initiative and start to create a flow of revenue from the district that can take on these um, specific uh, activities. And then after that, the, we'd market the bid to property owners and merchants. Uh, merchants don't pay the tax, the property owners do. But I think if the merchants get excited about it, that that'll be helpful. And we'll determine then if there's a likelihood of that uh, Sausalito and downtown, Sausalito downtown and Caledonia businesses would support the creation of a bid. And that would be, we would do that in the June and July timeframe. So that's where we are. That's it. Those are extra slides in case people have questions. So I'm good. All right. So I'll Thank stop you. sharing. Uh, any questions for Cass on the status of the business improvement district? All right, Cass, thank you for your leadership. Um, I actually think it can be pretty exciting if we get a bid through the program. I know our city manager has worked on these before and has seen them uh, impactful. So uh, we look forward to uh, advancing that project. Um, we had two other areas, a parking and traffic study uh, and revising form of the retail requirements. I know both these were kind of in the uh, court of city staff, but I wanted to see Bob, if you have any update on these two items. Uh, no, the uh, parking um, still awaiting the consultant coming on board. And also there's, uh, I think some outstanding issues with, you know, establishing property lines and things like that. And then uh, no update on uh, formula. Re and I, I see our city manager has his hand up. Hello, Chris, welcome. Thank you. Just want to piggyback on Bob's um, comment. Uh, we are working on a engaging a parking firm uh, for a uh, review and that's happening this week, I believe, in terms of it moving. So uh, it got unstuck last week. So just want to provide that update to the group. Great, thank you. 
All right, any questions on those two items? All right, um, on business item number five, this special new projects we're working on, uh, we need to open up for public comment. Serge, can you let me know if there's any public comment? Chair Riley, looking at the screen right now, it appears as we have no public commenter. All right, um, any other comments from our members before we move on to the next business item? Uh, Monica. Is this the right time to talk about Marin City? Uh, certainly. Um, just real quickly so everybody can get excited and join in with us. Um, Tom and I and Rachel and a couple of other folks have been meeting with Marin City uh, to develop um, a united front with a float during the 4th of July parade that would be based around um, Marinship and Marin City workers and things like that. So we've made some progress and we have a, a, another committee meeting coming up on uh, this Wednesday and we've added a couple of folks to the, that committee. Uh, Raylene Gorham will help. LaShawn will help. Uh, LaShawn uh, Holcomb is the theater producer that's really been enlivening all of Marin City and the youthful uh, group over there. And we've been able to get um, Marin May to join in the committee and help us uh, think about a float. So the first stage is to do some design and development. So that's one of the things that we've been working on that we think would be really fun and really show some positivity between the two cities. Um, so. Rachel, did you want to add anything? No, okay. Well, so, I, I would like to add something. I mean, in those meetings, uh, our neighbors in Marin City were so excited because the history is, you know, folks lived in Marin City and they came to the Marin ship and were welding and building ships. And an opportunity to kind of relive that by having young children from Marin City come over and actually maybe do some welding and building a float um really reflects our history not only the float itself but how it's built and uh if one, of, one of the ideas we kicked around is Hello. Uh, one of the ideas we kicked around was you know kind of set this up as a summer camp for kids to every year build a float uh for the for our parades so there, there's some great ideas it's exciting all right thank you monica Item six on our agenda was uh, the EDAC Community Impact Award nominations. Um, I'm gonna use this as a heads up because we didn't discuss it in our last meeting, but I'd like in our next meeting uh, for everyone here to think of members in the community, uh, on city staff, uh, even within EDAC that have had a real impact on our community uh, in the prior quarter. And we have an opportunity to vote and will nominate and vote them. And I'd like to suggest we do that in next meeting and use this as an opportunity just to give you a heads up to think about uh, candidates you'd like to bring forward rather than taking you cold with that. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, since that was a business item, I do need to ask for public input and public comment on that item. Um, I doubt there will be any, but uh, now is an opportunity if you want to comment on item number six or if the public wants to nominate someone. And Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Wonderful. Okay, we're at the closing part of our agenda where um, we're gonna look for updates from um, our liaisons and uh, staff. Um, I'd like to give the, oh, I see we have public raising a hand and it might be on that last item. So we should 
uh, go back and see if Kevin Carroll has public comment on the last item. Sir, can you unmute Kevin, please? Sure. Um, Kevin, you've been unmuted. And that's Sorry, okay. I was anticipating uh, item five. Oh, item five. Okay, we'll come back to you then, Kevin. Thank you. You really jumped the gun that time. All right. Um, so uh, may we start with our city manager, Mr. Zapata, see if he has any updates for us. So you're on mute, Chris. I think um, Cass and uh, covered the things that we talked about and um, I updated the parking scenario. I think that's all I have right now. Thank you. Thank you for all you're doing, Chris. Thanks for sitting through this meeting. Uh, Julie from the chamber, please. The floor is yours. I have no updates. Okay. Uh, Mr. Sobieski. Thank you, Chair Riley. I don't have any updates either. It's been a tremendous meeting packed full of great stuff. So thank you to everybody. Thanks to everyone who's participated. Um, and Council Member Hoffman is not with us today. So that covers our liaisons and staff update. Uh, now's an opportunity to go to Mr. Kevin Carroll for your comments. Kevin, you've been unmuted. Thank you. Um, I sent the committee members uh, a link about a last Saturday, there was an article in Travel and Leisure actually about the Pelican Inn and a company I do work for called Wine Country Trekking. Um, real quickly, people walk from one hotel to another. I transfer the luggage. They start at the Argonaut across from Pier, uh, Hyde Street Pier. They walk to in above the tide, then out to Pelican Inn. Um, it was a, uh, obviously a filler. Somebody wrote it, we call it an armchair piece. They didn't do any research. They regurgitated a press release of some kind. Um, but the interesting thing was it got picked up by the Apple news feed. And within eight hours, the company Wine Country Trekking had over 2,000 hits, uh, eight confirmed reservations, uh, since then, they've confirmed another uh, 25 or more, uh, and they still have about another 100 requests they're sending information to. Uh, the only mention of Sausalito was that we were at Artsy Fishing Village. Uh, but just as a result of the reservations they've had so far, that's 30 uh, room rentals on a Monday night for In Above the Tide, that'll be uh 60 dining probably dinners bought on a monday night or Tuesday, yeah monday night in sausalito 60 breakfasts on tuesdays and 60 lunches packed at venice deli for these hikers um the reason why i wanted to to mention it is when cda was talking about uh, integrating more of these outside companies um, I really think that's a, an area to investigate because just in talking with Wine Country Trekking and looking at their site, I talked them into adding our Sausalito and the Chamber of Commerce uh, links to their page about Sausalito. It had never occurred to them to do it, but a lot of people like to click through these sites to gather more information. So 
so that's just something to think about down the road about both for any businesses in Sausalito's websites, but also any companies that they work with, talking to them about adding those sites so that we get more clicks. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, I'll just point out, you, you always have great ground information and, and those details are amazing. Uh, feel free always to reach out to Scott Thornburg and Kevin, you know, with uh, these great ideas and get directly uh, engaged with our CDA team um, and uh, help them drive the results. So thank you. All right, uh, any other public comment? I don't see any at this time. All right, this moves us to uh, closing out item five. Um, any future agenda items that people like to bring forth? Okay, hearing none, I'm looking at the calendar. Our next EDAC meeting will be scheduled for May 2nd from three to 5 p.m. Does that time work for everybody? Yep. Wonderful. All right, it is 5.11 p.m. We did jam a lot of content into this meeting. I'm sorry we went 11 minutes over, but I do thank everyone for your time, uh, all the activity happening in between meetings. Um, and I look forward to our next discussion for all of you in the interim. So thank you all for your time and I wish you a good evening. This meeting is adjourned. <laughs>